No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we'll see where Solomon builds several other structures besides the temple using expensive cut stone, bronze, and skilled artisans. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 1 Kings chapter 7 on Simply the Bible. The structure of the temple that Solomon had built was now complete. There were still furnishings to be made before the Ark of the Covenant could be brought into the most holy place and the worship could begin. Meanwhile, Solomon had other structures to build. We continue in 1 Kings chapter 7. But Solomon took 13 years to build his own house, so he finished all his house. Solomon took seven years to build the temple and 13 years to build his own house. Now, some could find fault with Solomon in that, but I like what Pastor John Corson has pointed out. He said, the temple was a much more difficult project. Yet his own house took him nearly twice as long to build. Why? I suggest it was because Solomon here is at the height of his personal piety, walking with the Lord more closely than he ever would. Thus, when it came to the temple, he had a sense of urgency to complete the project, leaving the construction of his own house much farther towards the bottom of his list of priorities. You see, in the future, the prophet Haggai would accuse the people of being so concerned with building their own homes that they neglected the house of God. But that was not the case here with Solomon, at least not at this point in his life. He put the Lord first, and God would bless him with everything else that he needed. And that's just what Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you as well. The temple and the palace were included in one large complex and were enclosed within one courtyard. No doubt this was to emphasize the fact that the king was to act on behalf of God. He was to walk in all God's ways and lead the people to follow God. This looked forward to Jesus Christ who will rule the earth from Jerusalem in all the ways of the Lord. You know, it's tragic that our nation has emphasized the division between church and state to the degree that our leaders no longer feel the need to walk in the ways of the Lord, being mindful of the fact that they will give an account to God for their service. What would this nation be like if all our governmental leaders led the way in following after God? I can only imagine. Verse 2. He also built the house of the forest of Lebanon. Its length was 100 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits, with four rows of cedar pillars and cedar beams on the pillars. And it was paneled with cedar above the beams that were on 45 pillars, 15 to a row. There were windows with beveled frames in three rows, and window was opposite window in three tiers. 
and all the doorways and doorposts had rectangular frames, and window was opposite window in three tiers. There's quite a bit of detail about this house of the forest of Lebanon, which was so named because of its extensive use of the cedars of Lebanon and its construction. It measured 150 feet by 75 feet and was 45 feet high. So the floor space was 11,250 square feet, more than four times the 2,700 square feet of the temple floor. It was probably part of the complex of buildings on the south side of the temple, which included Solomon's personal residence. Evidently, this structure served as an armory, but because of its size, it was probably a multi-use facility. He also made the Hall of Pillars. Its length was 50 cubits and its width 30 cubits. And in front of them was a portico with pillars and a canopy was in front of them. The Hall of Pillars was 75 feet by 45 feet for a total of 3,375 square feet. Its use is unclear. Then he made a hall for the throne, the Hall of Judgment, where he might judge and it was paneled with cedar from floor to ceiling. And the house where he dwelt had another court inside the hall of like workmanship. The hall of judgment was where Solomon could attend to official business and where he would judge difficult cases that were brought to him as a kind of supreme court. Solomon also made a house like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had taken as wife. The princess of Egypt was the first wife mentioned of Solomon, and she seems to have been treated with special favor. As far as we know, she's the only one of Solomon's 1,000 wives for whom Solomon built her own personal palace. All these were of costly stones cut to size, trimmed with saws inside and out, from the foundation to the eaves, and also on the outside to the great court. The foundation was of costly stones, large stones, some 10 cubits and some 8 cubits, and above were costly stones hewn to size and cedar wood. The great court was enclosed with three rows of hewn stones and a row of cedar beams. So were the inner court of the house of the Lord and the vestibule of the temple. These large stones were cut to size and trimmed with saws inside and out. Even the hidden parts were finished to precise specifications. This was a very expensive process, and these stones were up to 15 feet long. When Jerusalem limestone is quarried, it's soft enough to cut with a saw, but it hardens when exposed to the elements. No one would see these foundation stones, especially the insides that were hidden from view. Nevertheless, they took time and expense to make them precisely right. Integrity has been defined as doing the right thing when no one else is looking. But of course, God is always looking. Who we are in the secret places is who we really are. It is in the hidden places that the foundation of our life is built. No one sees when you are in your room and the door is shut and you are spending time seeking God, reading his word, praying for your family and friends. But God sees what you do in secret, and he will reward you openly. 
There is no longer a physical temple made with stones, but we are the temple of God made with living stones. The Apostle Peter wrote in his first epistle, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are all living stones, and God is as concerned with our integrity as Solomon was about the foundation stones of the temple and the other structures that he built. Verse 13. Now King Solomon sent and brought Hiram from Tyre. He was the son of a widow from the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a bronze worker. He was filled with wisdom and understanding and skill in working with all kinds of bronze work. So he came to King Solomon and did all his work. This master craftsman from Tyre is called Hiram, but some translations call him Hiram. Now he's not to be confused with the King Hiram of Tyre who supplied the cedars of Lebanon for the temple and other structures that Solomon built. Hiram was a bronze worker and filled with wisdom, understanding, and skill in craftsmanship. Second Chronicles 2.14 tells us that he also worked with gold, silver, iron, stone, wood, and various dyes, and fine linen. His father was from the Phoenician city of Tyre, but his mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali. He reminds us of Bezalel, whom the Lord chose to do the workmanship of the tabernacle. God said of him in Exodus 31, I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. No doubt Huram was also gifted by God with these amazing talents. Solomon not only used the best materials in the construction of the Lord's temple, but also the most skilled laborers. And he cast two pillars of bronze, each one 18 cubits high, and a line of 12 cubits measured the circumference of each. Then he made two capitals of cast bronze to set on top of the pillars. The height of one capital was five cubits, and the height of the other capital was five cubits. He made a lattice network with wreaths of chain work for the capitals which were on top of the pillars, seven chains for one capital and seven for the other capital. So he made the pillars and two rows of pomegranates above the network all around to cover the capitals that were on top, and thus he did for the other capital. The capitals which were on top of the pillars in the hall were in the shape of lilies, four cubits. The capitals on the two pillars also had pomegranates above by the convex surface, which was next to the network, and there were 200 such pomegranates in rows on each of the capitals all around. It's amazing what detail we are given concerning these pillars and their capitals. The pillars and capitals came to a height of 34 feet, and they were 18 feet in circumference. They were hollow on the inside, and made of bronze four inches thick. The decorated capital on top was about seven and a half feet high. 
It was comprised of an inverted bowl in the shape of a lily and a network of interwoven chains of pomegranates. Then he set up the pillars by the vestibule of the temple. He set up the pillar on the right and called its name Jachin, and he set up the pillar on the left and called its name Boaz. The tops of the pillars were in the shape of lilies. So the work of the pillars was finished. These two pillars were actually given names. Jachin means he establishes, and Boaz means in him is strength. And they stood outside the entrance to the temple, with Jachin to the north and Boaz to the south. These stood as a testimony to God's stability and strength. But on top were these beautiful capitals of flowers and fruit. This would be a reminder to anyone approaching Yahweh to worship him, that he is the God of stability and strength, but also with beauty and grace. We worship him in the beauty of holiness, and he brings stability, strength, beauty, and grace to our lives. Now God has made us to worship him. And until we worship him, we haven't really fulfilled our purpose for being created. But when we worship him, when we truly worship him in the beauty of holiness, then we become like him. He is stable, strong, beautiful, and gracious. And the more we worship him in the beauty of holiness, the more we will become like him. That was the purpose for the temple. And it is God's desire for each of us today. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where Hiram the Craftsman finishes the bronze furnishings, thus completing all the construction of the temple. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Kings on Simply the Bible.